Welcome back to the Surreal Reel, the best collection of weird, bizarre, and even surreal news. I'm your host, Josh. Tonight we'll be starting out with, instead of Florida man, his close friend, Alabama man. Recently in Alabama, the Alabama House Representatives voted 73-25 to to a to approve a bill that will authorize school systems to decide if they want yoga to be allowed in K through 12 schools. That's right. So finally, you can practice yoga in school in Alabama. Though the bill says that the use of chanting, mantras, and teaching the greeting namaste would be forbidden. This apparently I guess the background of why yoga was banned in Alabama was they felt that it was some sort of religion that opposed their apparently very Christian conservative values, I'm, I'm assuming. The bill was sponsored, the bill to end the ban was sponsored by Democratic Representative Jeremy Gray and said that he understood that gym teachers had been teaching yoga in class before, they realized it was banned, and, uh, and others wanted to offer it, particularly during virtual learning. So, I mean, makes a valid point. Yoga has been used to help people relax and increase flexibility and overall mental well-being. I just think it's funny that Alabama at one time thought that yoga was some kind of was some kind of religion instead of just some, instead of just a form of exercise. So also under the bill they move the bill under the bill the moves and exercises taught to students must have exclusively English names. So that's so any kind of foreign-sounding names apparently don't scare <laughs> people in Alabama. So, and it apparently it recently just got attention in 2018 when an old document circuit listing yoga along with other games like tag for being among being inappropriate activities in gym class. I wonder why tag was inappropriate. I guess maybe because you're touching somebody. I mean, <laughs> who knows? So the 25 representatives in the 105-member House bill voted against the bill. According to Gray, some of the House members said they got a lot of emails saying that it was part of Hinduism, which it isn't. It just happens to also be from the Indian subcontinent. Gray also said some people's minds you can never change. If you have to vote in your district, I understand it, Gray said. Yeah, so... Finally being able to teach yoga in Alabama after an almost 27-year ban. Yeah. So our next news story is from pretty far away. It's from Poland. Polish man fails driver's theory test for 192nd time. That's right, 192 times this guy has gone taking his driver's test. And it's the driver's theory test, so I'm assuming that's the written part. And it's failed for the 192nd time. This has happened over the course of 17 years, so it wasn't like he went like one day. It just was taking the test over and over again repeatedly and failed 192 times. This is over almost two decades. According to this article, Polish law learners must first pass the theory test before being allowed to take a, pa- a practical test. Unlimited attempts, as the te- at unlimited attempts at the theory test are allowed, with the pass rate being between 50 and 60% repul- rep- 
reports Polish news site notes from Poland. It also says in the article the man has spent over 1,300 euros already on exam fees. Wow, so does, in addition to um, assured the lost amount of time for trying to take a driver's test 192 times, he also spent 1,300 euros, which I think is the equivalent to around 15 hundred American dollars because I know the euro is worth a little bit more than the US dollar so you're looking at basically the price of a pretty upscaled new laptop like that's like the price of a new Chromebook yeah so I mean I knew in high school plenty of people that didn't pass the written test the first time but usually by the second or third try they had passed their test and they were ready to get their learn learner's permit and start driving on the road but you know you would think after the like 50th time this guy took the test he'd be like mm, you know maybe should stick to other methods of transportation instead of driving this kind of reminds me of like the real life Spongebob trying to take his driver's test like he you know was in school for forever and was like a, a running joke that he could never pass his driver's test to learn how to drive a boat so this guy is basically the real life equivalent of that taking a driver's test almost 200 times and not passing all right so our next story we're back in the states again marine corps is currently investigating how drug test urine samples were mistakenly mailed to a private citizen. So basically what happened is the Marine Corps was conducting a command investigation to learn how four packages of drug test urine samples in a single box were mailed to a private resident in Arizona rather than the Navy Testing Center in Illinois. Wow, so they didn't even go to the right state they were supposed to be in. <laughs> supposed to go to Illinois ended up in Arizona. So the Marine Corps Times discovered the erroneous email through a post by the recipient on Twitter. So, okay, so the guy receives a ton of drug test urine samples in the mail. What does he do? He doesn't call the post office or whatever delivery company delivered the samples. He tweets about it. Be like, you know, hey, at Marine Corps, how did all the how did all this urine get to my front door? This kind of reminds me of a while ago there was this website called thisiswhyimbroke.com that was basically like a bunch of like random stuff you could buy. And one of the things you could buy was the service where you would pay some company or some guy, I don't know, you know, somebody either way to ship a random box of animal poop to anyone of your choosing and it was completely anonymous they would just whoever you asked to be the recipient of the animal poop all you had to do was put their name and address and it'd be shipped in a completely anonymous package and the the cool thing was is you could choose which animal poop you wanted like you know you could do rhino poop or elephant or goat i'm sure this Basically how that started was there was some guy who must have like worked in a zoo and maybe he was the guy who was like in charge of cleaning out the animals areas and one day you know while he's he's shoveling some poop he's like hey you know there is an opportunity to be made here 
So he started selling his services on thisiswhyimbroke.com. I should really look up that website to see if it's still around. There was some... Some of the other stuff on it was like you could buy this. Th- there was like a lot of joke gifts. It There was like this gift, not really gift, but thing you could buy that would make a random sound like a clicking sound. And it was small enough that you could hide it in somebody's house really well, like down like an air vent or something. And the battery on it would last two weeks. So if you're at somebody's house and you wanted to play a joke on them with this, you could go over, and then while they weren't looking, you could hide it somewhere, like I said, like in an air vent or under their couch or something, and it would make a ticking sound for approximately two weeks, or unless they found it before the two weeks was over. So, yeah, so I should really ch- check to see if that's still still out there. Thisiswhyimbroke.com. And they, they also, I mean, they also had, like, some... I think they also even had like a a mini sub you could buy on it. It was just a really cool website. So our next story, we got some mental health news. This is from The Hill. Apparently a new Stanford study says that Zoom calls trigger our flight or fight survival reflex. So of course now, you know, with the pandemic, everybody has been most, a lot of people have been working from home, but work meetings still have to happen. So they've been happening on video conferences like Zoom, but apparently maybe, you know, you shouldn't overdo doing your meetings on Zoom. So according to The Hill, Americans are marking their one year anniversary of stay at home orders and remote working with a growing sense of pandemic fatigue. You know, of course, really no brainer but the study finds that staring at your coworkers' faces up close and personal is causing your flight or fight survival reflex to kick in the brain is particularly attentive to faces so when we see larger ones we interpret them as being close our flight or fight reflex responds according to jeremy balenson director of sanford's university's virtual human interaction lab He added, from an evolutionary standpoint, if there was a very large human face close by you and it was staring right in your eyes, you were unlikely to engage in conflict or mating. Neither response is a good fit for a work meeting. So this kind of, I mean, this kind of only makes sense if you were just like really right up close to the camera in your Zoom meeting and if you were also just focusing on one person in your Zoom meeting. I think that this the in, information from this finding is a little bit over exaggerated uh, i don't think people i mean unless you you just really do not like looking at people's faces i don't think anybody's feeling like really intimidated by looking at someone's face on their computer screen during a zoom meeting later in the article it says the number of users on Zoom and other video conferencing platforms has skyrocketed by the tens of thousands in the last year. And while they're physically distant, users making prolonged eye contact at the screen for clo- at a close distance for long periods of time than ever before. At the same time, nonverbal cues are distorted, like your boss making a face at what you just said, or a family member just out of view, and physical movements are restricted. Yeah, so any kind of discomfort during a Zoom call our awkwardness i kind of feel is more from having to sit still in one place but that you know i mean really is true of any kind of work meeting i think it's also unless you have you're using the zoom background where it blocks out like you know people being to see what's behind you in your house i think it's also kind of unnerving 
having your coworkers, especially if it's a coworker you don't particularly like, being able to view the inside of your house, I feel like that would be extremely unsettling. And I think that's mainly what causes this so-called Zoom fatigue, as it says in the article. I don't think it's so much, you know, feeling intimidated or, you know, according to this article, even maybe turned on by staring at your coworker's face over Zoom. Some of the solutions, he says, and um, according to Balenson, that until next time you're planning a meeting, ask yourself, could this meeting be done by a phone call or better yet, an email? Yeah, I mean, this isn't so much Zoom, but I mean, even like talking on the phone, if you're, you know, unless you're talking to someone you know, or particularly close friend or acquaintance, you know, it it just becomes so awkward having to, to talk with someone on the phone. And, you know, especially if it could be done by like a, you know, two to three sentence email. So... I don't think that's so much of a Zoom problem. I think that's more of just like a having to, you know, talk without being with someone in person, which, you know, like the article says, can be done much, much better over email or by text. All right, so next, also keeping on the same subject as psychology, according to the BBC, magicians' tactics found in politics and mark magicians' tactics have been found in politics and marketing. So this is kind of also a no-brainer. So a study from Goldsmiths University in, um, at the University of London says that psychology used by the magicians to deceive audience can also be used to influence consumer choices. Magic tricks use powerful tools to control behavior, say the researchers, and the psychologists look at how tricks can create an illusion of choice when the audience has no real choice. So, I mean, this is, you know, you know, this is this is kind of like the goes back to the, you know, you go to the grocery store to buy something and there's 12 different products and they all cost the same or around the same and they're all the exact same, but maybe the brands are different and their packaging is different. But other than that, all the same thing. So it gives you this illusion that they're different or one might be better than the other when really, like I said, they're the exact same or why you're more likely to buy something that has been marketed well, you know, uh, a product that you have seen on TV more versus one that has very little marketing are also playing into the whole lifestyle marketing thing, you know. So lifestyle marketing is marketing where someone, an advertisement marketed something specifically towards somebody's lifestyle. So, for example, back in like the 50s and 60s, the Marlboro Cigarettes Company really created this look of like, you know, rugged, masculine cowboys smoking Marlboro cigarettes instead of just like, hey, these are our cigarettes you know, smoke them, <laughs> you know, they, they, they won't give you as much cancer as the other guys, but, you know, this, the, the, are the same thing of, like, um, you know, look at my right hand, but don't look at what the, the left hand is doing, because it's the one that's putting the, the card you selected back in the deck or something, anyway, so, the article says that, um, the researcher of the Magic Lab research team said that there is a growing interest in understanding how magicians forcing techniques can be used to influence behavior. He sees politicians increasingly drawing on the tactic of misdirection where a magician draws audience attention in one direction with something noisy or spectacular while the real moves are being made out of sight. 
So like I said, I mean, this is like in a political debate when they ask a candidate about one topic or ask him one question and he completely starts going on a different tangent. He he somehow loops around from the one topic that he does not want to talk about he, and starts talking about something completely different. So this is, you know, kind of the same thing. It's really, I mean, it, it's interesting how they dive in this article is interesting about how they dive into more detail about it but it's really something that if you know even the basics of of marketing it's really a no-brainer all right so like every episode we have to end with florida man so on the last episode i talked about a guy who was arrested because he kept calling 911 for a free ride and was eventually given a free ride in the form of a cop car taking him to the police station, well, this guy probably should have followed that guy's lead. So, driver found passed out behind the wheel of his car at the lakes of Lady Lake. That location name has one too many lakes in it. So a man was found at his vehicle on March the 8th at 7.30, passed out in the 1400 block of Clubview Boulevard at the Ladies of Lake Police Department. The vehicle was turned on and in drive. The officer knocked on the window, but at the time, the driver had difficult time. The officer had a difficult time waking up the driver. He tried to drive away after law enforcement gained entry in the vehicle and was later removed from the vehicle and told police, I'm in my driveway and I'm not driving well. You just try to drive away, so kind of pokes a hole in that alibi. The driver refused to then participate in a sobriety test exercises, which would have and would not provide a breast sample, which if he was not intoxicated, would have completely exonerated him. He was later arrested and charged with driving under influence and was released on a $1,000 bond. So, I have a mugshot of the guy. This guy is, like, extremely sunburnt, which makes the news article way better. He's, he's even got the circles around his eyes where you could tell, like, he was wearing sunglasses. Yeah, so maybe um, he was drinking in the sun a little bit too much, decided to take a nap in his car while it was in drive and then running. Cops came. He's like, oh, no, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't going to drive. I was just... Uh, just uh, hanging out in my car drunk. Anyway, so moral of the story, if you're intoxicated, you know, don't even get in your car and definitely don't turn it on and put it in drive. And then when asked if you were about to drive, say like, no, you were just sitting in your parking lot. So Florida man strikes again. Anyway, that does it for tonight's episode. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Surreal Reel. And as always, be sure to check out some more episodes. Thanks for listening. Good night, everybody.